You are listening to Grit and Grace, where I'm sharing my entrepreneurial journey with you and bringing stories to you of the most amazing women that are crushing it in business and in life. My name is Tomberly, and I'm a social impact entrepreneur, where I help businesses grow their community impact and their bottom line through their partnerships with nonprofit organizations. I'm also the founder of Tomberly's Tribe, a brand new group of female experts that from all different fields are helping women grow to their highest level of potential. Join us on this journey by downloading the Himalaya app, which is free, and follow us so we can keep you up to date on all of the new shows that are coming out. Welcome to my show. Hello, friends. I know that many of you right now are seriously struggling to understand what is going on. Amongst this chaos and change that we are experiencing in our world, many of you are seeking additional answers and support and trying to figure out how we are going to settle into our bodies and into our planet and really come out on the other side of this for the better. Because we are in the midst of significant change. Everything that we know and do is being stripped away. And this is leaving a lot of you feeling very vulnerable to understand what's happening. And I want you to know that I am 100% here for you and can help you in that process. I am offering the first three people that email me at Taverly at gmail.com. That is T-A-H-V-E-R-L-E-E at gmail.com. I'm going to offer three of you a deep dive session to learn how to look inward. Because listen, y'all, we have a ton of time on our hands right now to explore what's happening. We can connect further with ourselves and try to deepen into the wisdom that we have of what this means and how we're going to move through it and what we're going to be on the other side. And I'm going to be bringing you tons of great information on this podcast to help you with that. But I want you to know that I'm going to give three of you, my personal time. And listen, that might be hours of time, whatever it is, we're going to have an exploratory session to find out how I can help you. And this is going to be complimentary for three people. So again, you can email me directly at Taverly, T-A-H-V-E-R-L-E-E at gmail.com. And yes, I'm giving you all my personal email address. You can contact me because I want you to know that I am here to help you navigate what's coming next. So friends, if you want to know more, if you want to dive deeper, if you want to tap into your own wisdom on what this means, let me know and I'm here for you. Today's episode is brought to you by the Women's Catalyst Network, a leadership development program specifically for women to hone skills and advance in their careers. If you struggle to handle difficult situations and people while maintaining healthy relationships and productivity, then this is the place for you. Program alumni share that their experience gave them a heightened awareness of themselves and those that they work with and their decreased stress levels. They are more engaged and don't shy away from difficult conversations. The facilitator, Julie Holonga, who has been a guest on this podcast, has a passion for helping women succeed in their careers on their terms. The Women's Catalyst Network meets once a month from April to December in Denver. Go to womanscatalystnetwork.com. That's womanscatalystnetwork.com to find out all the information.
My friends, we are back with Julie Holunga, and many of you have listened to her podcast previously and know that she is not only a part of Taverly's tribe, but she is a leadership trainer, a coach, and the founder of the Women's Catalyst Network. Julie, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Taverly. It's fun to be back it talking is. to you. I know. It's fun because the first time we talked, we talked a lot about hockey. Yes. And we had a lot of fun. And, you know, you have such valuable insight. It's, I think you're going to find it interesting to know that some of the things that you said about weak language yes. is still with me today. Oh, Taverly, we'll, we'll keep working on that. I mean, I'm, I, I fix it. Like I literally go through, I use the tools you gave me and I go through and I catch myself sometimes typing or saying things that I have to rethink. But the good news is, is that I'm still thinking about it. Like I'm still That's learning. Right. And so your, your insight is always so valuable. So yeah, everybody's yeah. in for a treat today. Yes. Well, the thing to remember is, as we were just talking about preparing for this podcast, is if you say something that was wrong, you can always say, hold on a second. What I actually meant to say was. Mm. So if you find yourself using weak language, you can always come back and say, I didn't mean that. Let yeah. me rephrase that. Yeah, I like that. And I, I like that because I write things in pencil, it means I can erase it. I exactly. type things, I can always have the delete button, delete, That's delete, right. delete, delete. And I would like to say, vocally, you can delete as well. Yeah, vocally. You could just correct yourself. That's you, right. It's okay to have made a mistake. Right. Yeah. Well, today's topic is really important for a couple of reasons, but we are going to be talking about conflict today. Yes. And I'm really excited to hear what tidbits you're going to bring forward about conflict, especially because this is, you know, the first quarter of 2020 and our world right now is facing uh, a massive impact, not just with our health systems and our people and our families and our feelings are deep, but this is also the, what I'm saying this early because this is early on, but what I believe to be the beginning of a new recession. Mm. And if that's the case, that means that tensions are going to go high. Feelings are going to be high. We are going to be in a place where we're not going to be at our best all the time. That's right. Um, and at any time, you know, there are ways to manage conflict, but it's never been more important to me than it is right now. I agree. I completely agree. And it's interesting in the last week, even few days, how I have become more aware of my own reaction and response to potential conflict mm. and being at this, you know, a precipitating event and recognizing it. And I study conflict and I've been certified in tools and I read about it all the time. And I still find myself as a human being that I have to sort of check myself a little bit and how I'm responding and what I'm allowing uh, to get me worked up mm. and, and really understanding what is conflict and uh, what I need to do for myself uh, around that. I love it. And I'm glad that you're here to share this because I see, I see it mainly when I, how I interact with my kids, actually, mm-hmm. that they're probably the brunt of my conflict right <laughs> yes. now. Um, oh, mainly just because I, they're, they're catching me. You know, we all live busy lives and we're all on the fly. And it's like they catch me at the end of the day or at the end of the week or mm-hmm. when I'm tired. And I feel like that's when my defenses are down. Completely. Or right now, I said to you before we started recording that I feel like people are going into conflict at like level two right now. Yeah. Not, like we're not starting at a baseline and you're like more like level four. Yeah. Like, True. <laughs> I mean, we've seen the videos of people fighting over toilet paper right. in grocery stores. And, you know, I, and I'm not trying to dismiss people's fears. Let me just, let me be a hundred percent, you know, fully transparent that I recognize that the fear that people are feeling right now is real and I Mm -hmm. honor it. I respect it. I'm not judging it. And I don't want you to judge or have, 
you know, any sort of thoughts about anybody else in where they're at right now. That's not what this is about. We are talking about the things that we can do to manage our own conflict mm-hmm. without judgment of others. Because, That's right. Because it's just such a tough time for us to understand where other people come from. And so I take that very seriously. Right. And and the way I've been thinking about it, both per- personally and professionally, is that it's our response that we put out there, right? That's what matters. That's what impacts how we feel. That impacts our stress level, whether we're able to sleep at night. And I agree with you. I have two teenage kids, and they like to hang out with me and talk to me at 10, 10.30 at night. And we're tired. I would like to stop talking at that point in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very much an extrovert, but at a certain point, I reach my level of I'm not interested. I, I have, have no, no more words. I have no more words left. <laughs> <laughs> I literally have said that a couple of like a couple of nights in the last few weeks. I have said out loud, I have no more words. You yes. can talk at me, I'll listen, but I yes. have no I have nothing yes. to give you. I'm empty. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about conflict, one of the biggest things is that awareness of hold on a second, am I about to go into conflict? So I like to tell people that there's three things that you can do when it comes to conflict, is one is to pause and recognize, oh, I'm having a misunderstanding, or there's a difference of opinion here, or those are sort of the, the, the lower levels of conflict. That's why I say we're starting at a level four. Or we have a pure disagreement, or maybe we're at that fifth level of polarization of conflict, which is polarization. And so check in with yourself. You find yourself heated. You Perhaps some hot buttons, some trigger points have been touched for you. And recognize that you're in, something has happened. There's been a precipitating event. Something has happened that you realize you're going down that path of conflict. And just pause for a second and make a decision how you want to respond to it. And it's okay in a moment to say, you know what? I've used all my words. Let's talk about this tomorrow. And it's kind of, uh, I call it, it's a delayed response, right? You're not avoiding it, but you know, I know, at 1030 at night, I can't have a conversation with you about you wanting to drive my car versus your car because you don't want to pay for gas. That's my Mm 16-year-old. And that's not true polarization conflict, but that is a misunderstanding or a disagreement of sorts. So that first step is to pause. I'm going into... I potentially could go into conflict. The second step is to be aware. What's going on inside my head? What am I thinking? Am I finding myself getting heated? A lot of us know what those moments are when we're really nervous. Sometimes nervous when it's a good thing. I'm excited for something, but I'm so but nervous. But sometimes I'm feeling heated. Like for a lot of people, it's it's blushing, right? And you feel that heat rising up your chest, up your neck, and it's going to end up on your cheeks, right? And then the third step is to be deliberate. What is my choice? What path am I going to take when it comes to dealing with this conflict? And that's the, those three things are the best thing that you can do. And the biggest thing is it stops you in your tracks, right? So that you're not just flying off the rails. Right. You're talking about recognizing it from the very beginning in order to change the trajectory of what the potential response could be. Exactly. Okay, so let's go back to that. Let's go back to the starting place. And um, because I feel like there's so many mitigating factors that happen before before you may have even gotten triggered. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I feel like there's even a couple of steps before that that we could talk about on how to manage ourselves like regularly to not be in a place where we can potentially be triggered. Like, 
talk to us about how to be in a place where we don't we don't already start like I, I mean at the level two or the level four like how to stay in like level zero people yes. let's go back yes. to level and it's just asking a lot right yes. now I understand Taverly I was just gonna say let's be realistic. <laughs> So I'll share a little data with you that the a study done by the CPP, which we can put a link in the show notes mm-hmm. for that, um, but the average American employee spends just over two hours a week involved in conflict of some kind. Wow. Yeah. Two hours a week? Two hours a week. So imagine if, if I said to you, hey, Taverly, here's two hours that you now have, what you could do with that. I mean, we could all think of something. A lot of things that we could do with two hours. I don't. I don't even know what to say. I. Right? I'm. Yeah, I don't like that. I know. I know. So that's why this conversation is so important. Um, and thirty percent of the time that they're in conflict, they are handling it wrong. So for managers or leaders or people who are managing a project or people, they are. They're spending. 30% of the time, and, and only because they don't know how to handle it, or maybe more productive or proactive ways, as you're just asking about, of how to handle it. And when we look at this, this is 85% of our employees are dealing with it on some level. Now, it could be kind of the lower level. I look at it from you know level one through five. Mm-hmm. So it might be on that lower level. That might be not that bad, but it's probably distracting. Right, mm. but 29%, so almost a third of our workforce deals with it almost constantly. Okay, give us some. Can you give us some context at what that could look like? Like because I I hear you and I I'm trying. I guess my my mind is trying to give me some examples of where I've seen that or I've experienced it or. Um, I mean, I guess it would be if you had a, a very unproductive manager right. um, that's that's micromanaging you and you're constantly afraid that you're going to lose your job because you're not doing it well or you're going through a divorce and yet you're still having to grind through your tasks every day at work. So you're actually still carrying it there in your mind, even if mm-hmm. you don't mm-hmm. know that you are. So those are great examples, right? Working with someone who's micromanaging you or someone who is working for you and is not being productive. Mm-hmm. I hear from clients all the time about... They're managing people, or they're mani- managing projects, and they're not uh, getting what they could out of that individual. So, in terms of productivity, it's taking someone eight hours to do a project that maybe should only take them four, or it takes them. You know, they're they're having to deal. That leader is having to mediate some relationships that aren't working, or have to constantly check in with someone. Hey, I thought you were getting this to me. It's Monday. It's noon. I thought you were getting it to me this morning. What's going on? That's time away from doing something more productive or um, proactively looking for opportunities or handling crisis where we are right now uh, in in our world and coronavirus. Um, It's taking away. It's it's a distraction, and it's taking away from what you could or be doing. So a lot of times I think about it, like if we have too many apps open on our phone, it slows things down. If I'm focused on, well, I'll be honest, like some of the, in my opinion, some of the overreaction to what's going on in our world right now and people, as you said, fighting over toilet paper, that's a distraction. So if Mm -hmm. I'm in the process, this morning I was writing a blog, if I'm in the process of deep thinking and writing this piece, but 
you know, out of the corner of my brain are these thoughts about, do I have enough toilet paper? I'm not as productive. It might take me an hour to write that blog instead of half an hour. Right. Right. So some of what you're talking about are external factors that we cannot control Mm -hmm. per se, that they're going to come our way. I mean, some of that we can't control in terms of what's going to happen to us. It's how we react to it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's the key piece. So last week, it was there was too much information coming my way uh, in terms of what was going to happen in our world. Are we, who knows what's going to happen? And I did the simplest things. I don't know why it took me so long to do it, but I turned off notifications from CNN, the local news, all of the news app on app on any Apple phone because it was too much. Every notification that came in was about that. And then I also reached out to friends and asked them not to share the latest updates because it was becoming all-consuming for me, and it was all I could think about. That's my reaction. I'm not saying that should be everyone's reaction. Everyone is responding to this time and, and any time of crisis or chaos differently. But what it does is I'm now in control, as you were saying, of how what my response will be. When I am looking for an update or information, I will decide on the on the source that I get it from. In the spiritual realm, we talk about that as our sovereignty. Mm-hmm. It's owning ourselves. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's saying, I I get to choose. I get to choose me, which means I choose what comes into me. Exactly. Because if we don't, if we don't control that, it will control us. I mean, exactly. I am a firm believer that we have to understand that all of all of these things that come into our body, we can choose to not let them in. Like that's mm-hmm. a big. That's a mm-hmm. big big step forward. Exactly. Exactly. And when we talk about conflict, one of the things that I mention is, you know, these levels of conflict. So the first one is, uh, you know, a disagreement, right? So, you know, Taverly, I think that we've, we've talked about this in our last podcast about hockey. I think that, you know, the, the Bruins are the best team on the planet. Mm, and blah. Right. So that's, that's <laughs> a disagreement. Um, but... You know, there, and it doesn't really matter, right? It doesn't have much of an impact. So you're just talking about two different ideals, right? Uh, or ideal ideals right. between two people, and they're not, uh, they don't agree, right? So it's really, it's really, it's really a, a difference of opinion, okay. right? So my favorite food is seafood. Your favorite food is beef. Beef, that a girl, <laughs> I love it. So you can see, like, it doesn't. I just blushed, by the way. <laughs> I'm like, did I just say beef? Yeah, <laughs> I should have said chocolate or something more. Well, that too. I, anyway. Well, but then we would agree. I know. Um, but that, that's kind of that first level. We have a difference of opinion, and then the second level is having a misunderstanding. Hey, Tarverly, I'm going to meet you on the corner, and we'll, you know, go to the. This event together, okay. This is, you know, now we all have cell phones. It doesn't happen. But remember, twenty years ago, you would say, "I'm going to meet you on the northwest corner." This happened with a really good friend of mine. We never met up because she was waiting a block away. Well, can I give a a different example? Actually, that just exactly that situation happened with me. I have a new staff that's come on board with as part of my team, and our initial conversation, a lot of what we discussed about assignments, mm-hmm. we did verbally. And because we were doing it on the fly to get everything up and running soon, because there's lots of chaos in places, okay. um, we didn't actually note it down. And how she interpreted mm-hmm. a big chunk of that was not how I interpreted how she was going to do that big chunk of that. So here we are a week later, and she's like, oh... I thought it was supposed to be that way. And I'm like, um, no, we talked about this way. And she goes, oh, I didn't, I didn't take it that way. That's and I'm right. like, oh. 
Right. So yeah. this is a little side note, but this is a tool that a colleague of mine um, shared with me that he, he calls it yumatsu. So your understanding and my understanding are the same understanding. Oh. So confirming that is really key. So I have a, an aunt who is a, an attorney in New York, and I swear every conversation I have with you, with her, she does that at the end of the conversation. You know, because that's what she's been trained to do as an attorney. But at a certain point, yes, I'm going to call my cousin. Yes, I will do that. We've asked me. I said, we both I do understand it. that we you're both understand call my that. Cousin. Yes, we don't need to discuss it again okay. for the third time at yes, the end of the yes. conversation. Right? But but it does but avoid that. But that's an example of where you know there's like misdirection. Right. Right. Yeah. And mis- a misunderstanding of oh, I thought I was going to do this, and you were going to do this. So you're right. Putting it in writing always helps. Yeah. And then we get to the third level, which was kind of the middle level, but it's a disagreement, right? We're going into conflict because, Taverly, you think we should take this approach, and I think we should take this approach, and we're 180 degrees apart. And this, this is the point that I always encourage people to recognize, you know, a difference of opinion, big deal. Bruins are better than... Um, I actually don't have a preference for hockey okay. team. I, All I mean, right. I, I would have said the Leafs. But I knew you were going to say I that. I mean. <laughs> yeah. So that's the disagreement in our home as well. Bruins, Leafs. Bruins, yes. Um, and then we, ha- you know, we have the understanding. And those two are sort of, you're not, you're not getting heated. But once you get to this, this, this next, this third level, that's when things start to get heated often. Can I ask, can, can I ask yeah. a question like right there? What happens that makes us care so much that we want to start fighting for that? Yeah, so that's a great question. So typically it's because it has touched on one of our values or it's touched a hot button for us. And a hot button is usually something that has happened before. So um, in the past, I had a boss who, I'm making this up here, had a boss who didn't value me or who doubted my, my input. And you just doubted my input, so that just escalated things for me. That had nothing to do with you. It had everything to do with me. So we basically carry our baggage like a backpack. Totally, totally. I mean, I like. To, I want to put that in like dating terms because, <laughs> like, we carry our we carry we literally carry every previous experience in a backpack around with us everywhere we go and any interaction we have, unless we've done the work to empty out that damn right. backpack or just to, to recognize to it. recognize it. Yeah. yeah, and so I use a tool um, that allows that an assessment tool that people can take that shows them what are my hot buttons when it comes to conflict so that they recognize if Taverly steps on my toes or she's going to push my button because of something that happened before that I didn't feel valued, then I can recognize, oh, this is a hot button that's just been pushed and that keeps me from escalating. Mm-hmm. So it's just that awareness mm-hmm. piece of it. And there's, uh, there's tons of hot buttons out there one of mine is when people doubt my value. That's why I use that as, as an example. Mm. That they think I'm not experienced enough or that I haven't been a CEO of a Fortune 100 company. Well, there haven't been that many CEOs of a Fortune 100 company. So that's... I, I actually, I actually want to go down. I'm like restraining myself from going down a couple of rabbit holes there because there's a part of me that says that maybe that's also because you're a woman. So mm-hmm. you have, to, you have, right. you have that, that, that bias. You have a yep. gender bias to overcome. Yep. Um, I also think that the piece that often we don't like to talk about as much in corporate America is that we have egos. Right. And you know the ego sometimes supersedes our ability to think rationally. And as a, a woman who spends a lot of time ridding myself of my own ego to do the work 
work that I do, not just professionally, but in my personal life, right. it requires letting go of the ego. That's right. And to be right. right. And, and that is one of the hot buttons, right? Mm-hmm. If if something is touched, if that ego is kind of like I, I joke around with, we talked about this last time when my daughter plays hockey and a girlfriend of mine years ago said, you know, don't poke the bear with her. Like these other boys think that she's not going to be tough. And they say something to her on the ice or they push her around a bit and just don't poke the bear. So that's sort of that same don't to recognize for yourself, oh, they just poked the bear. They just, you know, kind of poked at my ego a little bit. And I recognize that for what it is, but I'm not, I'm choosing not to escalate. And that's the biggest thing with all of this is the choice that we all have in how we deal with conflict or Mm. our response. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, it's just, I think that the first part of what you're talking about here is so important. It feels like the biggest part of the work here. Exactly. Once you recognize that, totally. it, it feels like all of the other levels of... Right, it's of, easy. Yeah. Yeah. And so the last two high levels of, of conflict, what we call discord and polarization. And when we get to polarization, that's where the relationship is over, right? Whether you're talking, you know, on the dating scene or professionally, because now it's the point, I don't trust you or we have just come to a huge conflict and we can't get past this. And I'm choosing not to get past this. And it's polarization. I quit my job. I won't work on this project anymore. I fire a client. That's, that's what we're trying to stay away from, those two last levels of discord and polarization. We're going to take a short break to hear more about the Women's Catalyst Network, a leadership development program for women who are leading projects and people yet feel like they are lacking the skills to do so effectively. If you struggle to handle difficult situations and people while maintaining healthy relationships and productivity, then this is the place for you. This small group coaching will put you in the room, not only with an experienced coach and female leaders, but also peers from diverse industries and levels of experience, all who are going through similar situations and can share in their experience and offer perspectives and insights. The Women's Catalyst Network will support you with a safe, high-level executive coaching during the once-a-month events in Denver from April to December. And listen, friends, the facilitator, Julie Holonga, is the real deal. I've worked with her, I've had her on this show, and I have seen firsthand the profound impact she has on a woman's confidence and knowledge on how to succeed. This is an opportunity to dive into the knowledge that you need to grow. You will walk away with so many tools for advancement. Check it out now as the cohort begins on April 16th. Go to womanscatalystnetwork.com. Now back to our show. Can I ask you a question about how this current election cycle impacts people in the workplace? Does that happen around conflict? I mean, I know it happens personally, like between families and neighbors and friends. I mean, you just don't talk about politics. Right. You're smart. You just right. don't talk about politics. Right. But I wonder if that happens in the workplace. I have heard people talking about that certainly, you know, four years ago. Um, there is a client of mine and someone who's well-respected and well-liked as an individual, and he voiced uh, who he voted for, and people have had now had a hard time working with him because really? yeah because in their heads this is what they tell me is that they go into his office and he's a really likable guy i've worked with him for years and they go into his office and what they tell me is that they walk in and 
they say, I can't believe you voted this way. They just can't stop. They can't let they it go. Right. And so that thought is in their heads. And so whatever they're trying to do uh, to, to deal with a client's problem, that is the underlying surface there. That's kind of what's beneath the So let's summarize this. So let's let's summarize this. So not only are we in an election cycle, which is the highest level of conflict that, you know, especially in the United States and other parts of the world, because their elections can be brutally different than ours. People get their heads chopped off. Whereas at least here, we just, we just won't talk to our colleagues. Um, Not only are we in in the middle of an election cycle, we are in the middle of this global crisis mm-hmm. of this pandemic that's mm-hmm. been spreading. And we know it's going to close a lot of offices. It's going to put pressure on employees to perform in ways they haven't. People are going to have to work with their kids at home because schools have been closed. We are going to have a lack of access to resources. Now, and th- I'm assuming that this is going to all be temporary, so it will resume, mm-hmm. but it's going to create that escalated level of yeah. tension. And mm-hmm. so what kind of tips do you have knowing that there are these massive things happening this year? Because the, the truth is, is this probably, we're, we're talking, we're a year away from seeing things like they were maybe the last time you and I did this podcast. Right, right, that's right. So one of the things that I've been thinking about in the last couple of days is really thinking, you know, I keep hearing people telling me, oh, my husband's a salesperson and he's usually on a plane every week. He's been grounded. Mm. And, you know, there's a lot of funny things that people are telling me, like, what am I going to do? My husband's going to be home all of a sudden. Right? I'm not used to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's really quite funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to people not knowing how to do their jobs um, remotely. So my husband, for instance, likes going to an office, has never been one who enjoys working from home. So given that, how does he need to adjust now if we get to that point where he's concerned that his office building downtown is going to shut down and he's going to have to work from home? His clients still have issues that need to be dealt with. He can't just check out. And so what I've been thinking a lot about is... For me, too. I was supposed to be on a plane tomorrow to go to Chicago to speak at a conference. I know, and I'm sorry you're missing that. I know that that was was important, but I also know that um, there is a sense of relief right now. Totally, But I am sorry for you that you're missing that opportunity. Yes, but it's a a delayed, right? So Mm -hmm. it's going to happen in June. It's it's all good. But what I think about is, oh, I have all this time now, right? Or for salespeople who are not on the road, you know, literally in a car or on a plane, you have more time. So... I like to think about what is something that you could try out. Like, let's just give ourselves two weeks. And the, because, and I say two weeks because that's what the schools are saying right now in terms of closure. So what can you try for two weeks in this little bit of a different time, a lot of uncertainty? What is one thing that you want to try when it comes to your response to things? And so I, what I'm trying to tell as much to myself as everyone else is, this is my choice, and what do I want to do? So not responding as I do at 1030 at night, go to bed, get out of my room. I want to read my book in peace yeah, and no silence. More words. No, no more words. No more words. <laughs> but rather, you know, when, when conflict comes up, is to say, this is what I need for myself. This is what I'm going to do. Hmm. So just taking that. And, and being really deliberate about it. So what's something you want to try over the next two weeks that you haven't tried before? So, and this is good. This is actually good timing because mm-hmm. we have an escalated status in our bodies right now. Um, is, that, is that how you would work with 
people to develop their skills at recognizing what's happening and to not allow that to you know escalate to that top level of polarization but looking at those lower levels to be able to make that recognition are you saying this is an activity they should they could do now right to start practicing now is it something that they would write down like maybe start writing down things that trigger you like exactly like so, when i hear my daughter stomping her feet upstairs and i'm trying to you know write a report and i feel myself <laughs> getting a little hot in the face yes. and i'm like like, Ooh. And you want to just yell. I want to yell. You don't want to get up. I don't want to get up yeah, because I'm, yeah. I'm in flow. Like, right. and, and now that right. we're all under the same roof, right. I'm in flow. But that I know that triggered that feeling. And right. so take- That's exactly it. So I have uh-huh. told clients to, so a lot of the people that I work with, it, you know, have a notebook or a folder or use OneNote or Evernote, um, and they keep track of certain things. And so one of the things I say is start paying attention to what's making you hot under the collar. So when my daughter stomps her feet, when I'm trying to work downstairs, it's really irritating to me, right? So that might be a difference of opinion, right? Or Mm -hmm. a little bit of a misunderstanding. Or it could be when my colleague turns on a podcast sitting next to me at my office when I know that I have, you know, I have financials to review. Right, right, exactly. So, So what I would recommend to your listeners is to jot down when they notice themselves what I call this precipitating event. And just start writing that down. That's one thing you could easily do. The other thing to think about is um, to pay attention to how you are responding to conflict, just naturally. So I love doing this. I I recently did this a couple weeks ago at a session at Rise Collaborative uh, with our members, and I asked the audience, what is your natural response to conflict? And there were 30-some-odd women in the room. And by the end, I said to them, well, it sounds like we're all getting a lot of exercise when it comes to conflict. Because everyone was saying, I avoid it, I run from it, I just don't want to deal with it, so I focus on something else. So it was this whole sense of, I'm just running away from it. Mm. So I guess, you know, we we all want our exercise, but that's not what we're really looking for. But paying attention to... When I'm with this individual, when this situation occurs, when these circumstances are present, so making note of that, and then what is my natural response to it? And do you think that the reason why a lot of us shy away from it is because it's uncomfortable? It's painful. It's very painful. And I would say that we don't know how to deal with it. None of us went to college or got a graduate degree and learned how to deal with conflict. That's why I'm in business. <laughs> <laughs> and because oftentimes we don't even know what words to use to make it sound. Exactly. With, you know, I, I had a recent experience where I had a conversation with a person who, um, we had a conversation and I so, I just, I so, so, so disagreed with the way that they were presenting themselves. And I, I, ch- I had to check myself actually mm-hmm. a little bit because I, I actually asked myself, does it really matter exactly. what my opinion is right now? Why Why does my opinion on how somebody else is presenting this, why does that even matter? Right. Actually, and it just totally changed the context right. of the conversation because right. then I just realized it doesn't matter. That was my ego. I had to like, I had, right. to, I had to chuck that aside. But also, do you want to waste your energy on that? Right. And any time space or like I had a, a roommate... Um, Right when I graduated from college, we're still friends now, but he, I hated living with him. And um, we had a mutual friend, and she said to me, you keep giving him front page um, status. Mm-hmm. And he really belongs oh. like smack dab in the middle, kind of hidden. Mm. He's a great guy. But we, you know, and so that's, 
Like if mm-hmm. if I truly understood what she meant, she was far smarter than I was at that. You know, at twenty two, <laughs> it would have taken so it would have freed me of so much. I would have slept better. You you just you're taking up too much space in the brain, and it's preventing you from doing what you really want to do. So what I always say to people is, when you make that choice, you're at that precipitating point, and you make a choice of a path you want to take. There's there's there are two paths to take. You can take a constructive path when it comes to conflict or destructive. And when we're on that destructive path, we're blaming other people. We're passing the buck, so to speak. We're not looking at ourselves. And and it's just kind of going deeper and deeper and escalating the, the conflict, but it's going deeper in terms of just not being productive. It's not helping anyone. And when I talk about being destructive, it's, like I said, it's blaming others. It's looking at conflict from the, the standpoint of... Um, like they're at fault, I'm going to blame them, I'm going to potentially have an emotional reaction to them in front of other people. It, does, no one, it doesn't serve anyone to behave that way. Mm. But it is. it tends to be when our buttons are pushed, that tends to be how we react. Now, if we can train ourselves, and if we use this two weeks to try this out, to say, okay, I'm going into conflict, here we go, here we go, or maybe even I've entered into conflict and I'm going down this wrong path, this destructive path. I don't want to go down there. You can come back up. Mm. And one of the biggest things I say from a constructive angle is to say, hey, you know what? Let me take a minute. Let me take a day. Let me take a week and I'll come back to you. That delayed response is an active, constructive way to approach conflict. And that applies to email Oh, Text, completely. Verbal, right. any, any which way, like taking that pause. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good advice. Yeah. Let's talk about when people get to that point of constructive or um, destructive. destructive. I almost going to say deconstructive. I'm like, wait, <laughs> wait destructive. Um, part of that destructive behavior, that choice, is to not have conflict when there should be conflict, yeah. um, where there should be constructive conflict. Yeah. I mean, the shying away from having difficult conversations is not uh, is not constructive either. No. Like that's so harmful to us and our bodies and what we carry. Mm-hmm. So, how do you work with people to address their their absolute and utter distaste for having constructive conflict of any type? Right. So, um, my mother is the queen of avoiding conflict, and she's phenomenal. She's a wonderful woman, but what she says to me is, well, I'm a, I'm a diplomat, so mm-hmm. I don't deal with conflict. But in fact, she now at 75, there's probably is conflict that's been brewing for years and years and years and decades that probably could be addressed. Mm. So I often talk about, I love to use my family as examples. <laughs> Yay, family. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, mom and dad, yeah, for she, being willing to... Yes, <laughs> she loves it. But I often say, you know, she's like an ostrich and puts her head in the sand. And oftentimes, I mean, there's, there's good that comes out of conflict, right? There's, I mean, I've heard, I, I, I hesitate to share this as an example, but I've heard that um, Google Calendar came out of um, conflict. Mm-hmm. That there was, and I, I, I hesitate to say that because who knows. But my point is that innovation can come out of conflict. Right. And often it does because maybe there's, there's a team coming together to discover something new or to figure out uh, an answer to a problem. And there, there's conflict. There's, people aren't, aren't all on the same page. 
But then there's always, we've all been in those meetings and then someone says, oh my gosh, I have an idea. Mm-hmm. You know, as we're all kind of rubbing against each other a little bit, like this isn't quite right, this isn't good. And then something really good comes out of it. So when we, we're in a world where we need innovation, 21st century is a time of constant innovation. We need to accept that conflict happens and it's a good thing. It's only when we're on that destructive path that it's not. So how do we so how do we in our teams or in our companies or in our families even, how do we create the space where conflict can be healthy? Right. So one of the things I like to help people think about is to have in their heads this destructive constructive paths. But also to think about, um, you know, on the one hand, destructive, it's blaming others. Constructive is accountability. So if perhaps, you know, the example you gave with bringing on a new staff person, what is my role in this? What, did I, what could I have done? What I should have done? Oh, maybe I should have sent an email kind of lining this all up, but we're running at a really fast pace and I didn't sit down to do that. Um, so what I always think about and recommend to people is to really like stay above the line, you know, and mm. kind of in the positive. If you if you can think of a loop above the line and a loop below the line, and the loop below the line is that blame game, and that's toxic. But above the line is saying, okay, what could I have done to ensure your success? And it's not to say that you're taking all the blame, but you're you're saying I'm part of this. This, and it's not to delve into the conversation doesn't become, well, who did what and who's to blame, but rather, okay, what can I do differently? So next time we're in a similar situation, I don't make the same mistake. And what could you, Taverly, do differently so that we're both kind of owning the situation? Yeah. I love that. That's a really good analogy if to think about it like the line. Like as soon yeah. as you as soon as you said that I thought, ah, oh, yeah, that's right, like that's, an X and Y axis mm-hmm, kind of that's right. the image that I try to keep in my head. Like and you can go down one path and come back up. Mm-hmm. Because we're humans, and so right, we, exactly. we will we will fall from from right. that that straight and arrow all the time exactly. on, on how we communicate. And then when communication fails, I also think that it, most of us recognize that we've gotten to the point where we need to put the brakes on. Exactly. I will also say that as much as you know, we're talking about that conflict is good, that it, it helps with creativity, it helps with innovation. One of the things to also think about is that what is the relationship with that project or that person? And how vested are you in it? Mm. Yes. And there are times, mm. I hate to say this, but there are times when you just got to walk away. It just we, doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Or you're not invested enough. We all have friendships that we've walked away from because it was no longer fueling us. I like to, that's one that always comes to mind. I had a friend say to me, you know, how invested are you in this friendship to to make it work, to get over and through this conflict. And I realized that it wasn't a, you know, there are lots, that's a whole nother podcast, but <laughs> we've all been in relationships like that. And that is something, you know, I, I like to say to people there, you try, you try, and it, it, you have to define for yourself what's that end point, what's the end of the line for you. And it's not to say, fine, if I don't get my way, I'm walking away from this, but rather, what do, what do I, what are my desired outcomes for this? And if I can't get that, then I'm okay walking away from it. And I'm not going to hold on to it. And I'm, it's not going to stick with me baggage into the next situation. But it's just not, it's not working. Really good information. 
Do you see do you see conflict as something that requires constant inner work on ourselves to yes. manage? Just well, like it's just that awareness. Piece. Yeah, it's yeah, just always always being constantly aware of not yeah. just what we carry with us, like what our trigger points are, but also you know what what matters enough for us to be in a state where we're willing to even handle constructive, right? right? The constructive conflict. Because there's a lot of times where constructive conflict is still not even necessary unless you have your ego rearing its head around. Saying, yeah. I really need to get involved in this conversation because this is really important. You know what? Is it really? Right. And I bet you today, right now, in March of 2020, yeah. what we would deem as really important to us is very different than we would have said in December or November. Right. right. But also being aware of what someone else is telling you, Taverly, this should be really important to you. And you're saying to yourself, it's not. Mm. And that's sort of, I mean, I think of it as like, I have to put, right now, for me, I have to put a bubble around myself. Boundaries, yeah. Boundaries, yeah. Good point. Yeah, I'm not listening. My girlfriend uh, texted me last week and said, I just turned off NPR and started listening to the comedy channel instead because that was her boundary. It was too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think we have that boundary in a lot of ways. And, and it, maybe this reset that we're going through right mm-hmm. now is going to change things in, an, in a way that we are going to see more positive interactions or at least more people aligned with what really matters, what, what really I'm counts hoping. at the end of the day. Um, but it, it, this has been really fantastic. Thank you, Julie. You are always you. amazing. Oh, it's always so fun and, and easy to talk to you. Well, I mean, I feel like we could always talk for a long time. I mean, <laughs> I just I just like to bring on my favorite women on here and because they're all so smart. They all have such good information. And now not only am I going to be evaluating my language skills when I work, I'm going to be thinking about what, you know, what are my triggers? And I know it's this is really good. And I think it's you and I specifically plan to do this now. Like we changed our recording dates. We we kind of moved everything around so we could have this conversation because we knew that there was already a heightened sense of emotion happening in the world. And so we wanted to address conflict at a time where it's already difficult. This is not, I mean, conflict when, when everybody's lives should be easy and smooth is one right, thing. Right. right now we are at the height of our most emotional selves. Mm-hmm. And so it's even more important now to really sink into the things that matter. And I, I, I want to also add to what you had suggested in the next two weeks, writing stuff down and really tracking it, but also maybe making a list of the things that really matter to you. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Because I yeah. think that it's going to shift in time. And and then and then you're not sure if you want to get into a big conversation with somebody, go back to that list and look. If it's right. not on the list, uh-uh. Right. The answer is no. <laughs> right. Exactly. If it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Yes, yes, woman, yes. I like yeah. that. Um, okay, so I know the woman's, it's not the woman's catalyst network. It's the it's woman's catalyst network.com. Listen, people, if you haven't checked it out yet, it is an amazing group that Julie is leading and the really cool thing about this cohort that's starting in the middle of April, um, and it might start again in May. So if you're interested in any of the leadership programs, just make sure you contact Julie because things are a little fluid right now. And you're launching a digital version soon right. at some right. point. So, right. But tell people a little bit about why this cohort starts, like why the Women's Catalyst Network and what are alumni coming to do? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So I started this program about um, four years ago. I'd been doing it before that as a a lean-in circle, out of the, some research out of the Lean-In Foundation. But what I really noticed was that women, l- much more so than men, love to come together and that there's a power of and a wealth of information in the room when we come together, you know, 10 women come together um, with 
certainly support from me and adding, you know, this kind of conversation today. How do you have a difficult conversation? Um, how do you give feedback? These kinds of topics. And we work through not only building up a skill, but then also dealing with immediate challenges. So it happens every time that when I, for instance, last week I taught the class on um, giving and receiving feedback. Two women in the room had to give feedback that day, and it happens every time. So it was perfect. So we planned out exactly how they were going to give feedback. And the realizations that they learned through that is that they normally would have gone down this lane and given feedback and a lot of times not gotten the results that they wanted. But instead, once they learn this skill, they realize, oh, I want to have a conversation. My desired outcomes is to understand why someone is behaving a certain way, as an example. And so through the the wealth in the room of me teaching a skill, adding some insights, and being with your peers, it's just a phenomenal way to advance and escalate in your career. And so our alumni, we have over 70 alumni who have come through the program, and they are hungry for more. So they're mm-hmm. they're always asking you know, for what's next for them. So actually, Conflict is one of the programs I'm launching an alumni program for them, uh, hopefully in 2020, and to allow them to come together and continue building on, on their skills. And Conflict will be one of the topics. Yay. And so all of this information can be found at womenscatalystnetwork.com? Yes. And so if people are out of state and cannot yes. attend any of the in-person events, yeah. um, and I know that you have this group you know, forming digitally, but yeah. can they also work with you one-on-one? Yeah, I have clients all over the country in Canada um, who I would Those love- Canadians are so smart. Oh, I'm just Canadians. saying, those Canadians are so smart. They're so smart. They're so nice. They're so apologetic. Um- <laughs> hey, can I, just, can I just tell you that I've got busted on two different shows recently that I say something that someone says- Sounds <gasps> Canadian. And you know, I have to, I'm going to go on, I'm going to tell you a quick story. Yes. So I was speaking, I did a big speaking event for Women's International Day. And when I was on stage, like not even 30 seconds into my presentation, I said, sorry. <gasps> and see, you see your reaction. Both of my kids were there in the audience and they both went, oh. <gasps> And started to laugh. And so I had to take a moment and explain the amount of time I spent in Toronto and yes. why I was speaking yes. Canadian. And, yes. And everybody in the room just laughed because I didn't even realize I said sorry. I know. I know. I saw a license plate that said S O O R Y with a little Did you Canadians. honk? Did you yeah, honk? I did. Like, yeah. 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 So people can work with you one on one. Yes. You have, yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. Virtually, I do have a lot of clients that we like to talk over Zoom. So mm-hmm. there's that connection. We can see each other's faces. I can read their facial expressions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Or when the blush starts to rise. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's very helpful. Technology does allow us to reach into larger audiences. So so those of you that are listening, if you didn't catch Julie's first show, we will actually link her first show. I think I can do that. I don't know. I'm going to say that I'm going to do it. I'll try to link her show into this show. But um, check it out. Go check out womanscatalystnetwork.com and find out all the different programs and see when you can get involved whenever you're listening to this and reach out to Julie directly she is also a part of Taverly's tribe. Right. So if you if you are on Taverly.com and you find Julie, I know that she would love to hear from you. That's right. This has been so much fun. Always is. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. 
Friends, don't forget to visit the Women's Catalyst Network to learn more about the amazing leadership development opportunity. And if you are outside of Denver, contact Julie Holunga to learn more about an upcoming virtual program later this year. Or if you want to work with Julie one-on-one for executive coaching, and she is amazing, feel free to contact her. You can find all the details at womanscatalystnetwork.com. We hope you enjoyed the show. Hi, my name is Les Conley. And as producer of this show, I enjoy listening right along with you. Don't forget to download the Himalaya app and follow Grit and Grace so that we can keep you up to date on all the exciting shows coming your way. Please check the show notes for links to our guests and feel free to contact us for more information. Taver Lee is a social impact entrepreneur and she can be found at taverlee.com. That's T-A-H-V-E-R-L-E-E.com. We know your time is extremely valuable and we appreciate you spending it with us. Thank you.